0: My name is Johanna Pounds, editorial assistant with Northeast News. Today on the podcast, I'll be talking with third district councilman and mayoral candidate Quentin Lucas. We discuss the MLK Boulevard and Paseo name change, his aspirations as a mayoral candidate, and the November 6 midterm elections. Quentin is a native to Kansas City who cares about education and affordable housing. How are you doing today?
1: I am doing very well. Great to talk to you and great to talk to the Northeast News.
0: Okay, so I have a couple questions. We know that you're in support of changing the Paseo to MLK Boulevard. I just want to kind of get what your thoughts are on that. Um, I know a lot of business owners have a lot of opposition for it because they think it's going to be wildly inconvenient for them. And just kind of what your response is to that.
1: Sure. Uh, First, I note that I actually live on Paseo Boulevard. Ever since I moved back from law school, I've been on Paseo. I grew up with it like a whole bunch of people in Kansas City did. So this has nothing to do with change or just wanting to really drastically change things. The issue came to me this way. Uh, When I was running for office, uh, there were a group of uh, ministers and community advocates who had asked, would you be in support of renaming a prominent street in our city in honor of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr.? I said, "Well, yes, that's absolutely something that you know I would be willing to entertain if there was some community effort, some community interest behind it." And so, in the years since, they've had a number of forums. They had a, a protest. March, I believe, they probably had about four or 500 people. They've gone through a lot of work to do it. I will note, by the way, that it's not just me. In a number of these forums I was at, I believe almost every at-large council person except maybe Scott Wagner, but almost every at-large council person said, yeah, we would do it too. And, you know, the problem with politics is there are a lot of people who will just pay lip service when they're running for office. I don't think uh, that's right. The reason that I've been, I think, active in this effort is to say, well, let's make sure we do something. Uh, As everybody knows, and everybody who reads the Northeast News knows, the uh, group had their petition. I don't know if they got the hearing that I think they would have wanted from the Parks Board. I didn't get a chance to present public testimony in connection with that at the Parks Board. And so the mayor proposed a commission. The commission met a few times. Far too many of those meetings were in closed sessions out of the eyes of the public, out of the eyes of us, and so I'm not sure that that commission was as effective as one would have thought, but we got a resolution out of it that said they were recommending one of three choices. One choice was the International Airport terminal renaming, another was 63rd Street, another is Paseo. The Aviation Department has now complained that uh, the airport doesn't work for any number of reasons, and then everybody kind of comes to Paseo on, on different views. My colleague Catherine Shields put this well the other day, which was that Everybody seems to say, well, yeah, Paseo doesn't work because you don't have all the signatures. But then they say, but you should go to 63rd Street, which would have the very same challenge. Or Paseo doesn't work because there are a bunch of businesses up and down. 63rd Street would have the same challenge. Or they would say, you know, Paseo doesn't work because there's a parks designation, a historic designation that doesn't permit it, which is just not true. And so my goal has been throughout the process to basically say, let's give these guys if I were talking in the criminal law sense, I'd say, give them a day in court. Give them an opportunity to actually litigate their case or why Martin Luther King on Paseo is a good designation. And that's what we need to do. Because, frankly, what we kept seeing for the longest time, Joanna, was that we were just kicking the can down the road. So the Parks Board said, yeah, we'll think about it. Nothing happened. Then the Mayoral Commission said, yeah, well, we'll have these meetings. And then months expire and almost nothing happens. And then finally... It gets added on in the Planning and Zoning Committee on the Revive the East Side Ordinance, and next thing you know, people are actually talking about it. Right. So I'm proud at least of that step, and I would say to anyone who's interested out there, we will have further public conversation. This is not getting rammed down anybody's throat. I hang out against my better judgment sometime on Nextdoor, okay. on the Facebook Northeast page, and all types yeah. of things. So I'm hearing from lots of people. Okay. And so I remain interested in hearing from lots of people on this issue. And we want it to be collaborative. I do think that that whole 75% of every man, woman, and child living on the Paseo requirement is not really any way that we've done this on any street change ever in the I've history of before. this city. When you think about Truman Road, when you think of Emmanuel Cleaver II, when you think of a number of others, we changed a lot of road names without that. I think we have a process here i think it's working and frankly i look forward to hearing more public input and frankly more public input rather than just you guys are all the worst and you're trying to trick us <laughs> yeah
0: just people being angry at you you want like actual conversation yes, to ma'am. happen that makes a lot of sense i guess the kind of like arguments that i'm receiving about it are why all of a sudden is this happening because i feel like it was just proposed it was just starting to be talked about in june and now we're like <laughs> we're making a decision and i know that yesterday it was actually pushed back two weeks yeah. um so Why exactly do you think people are thinking that? Do you think that people just, like, aren't really noticing the actual conversations that are happening? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think, in fairness, there have been a lot of conversations for years, but everybody can't pay attention to everything. And so, uh, frankly, I think that's some of the weakness of, of the fact that we did not have hearings before the Parks Board in connection with this. Gotcha. A lot of us on the council were very interested in the fact that, hey, this is a boulevard. The Parks Board has the chance to actually kind of govern this issue and this viewpoint. They did not, and so the situation we're in now is that we're having this conversation uh, in this way, but this did not start in June, and frankly, it's been something that's talked about for a long time, but I would submit this to you as well. How does something actually get talked about in the most public way possible? That is through the introduction of an ordinance. That's through the introduction of some sort of rule. That's all we're doing here, and that's all we've done. It's impossible in some ways to have enough 10-person meetings so that you make it so everyone in Kansas City, Missouri is informed. For example, today I heard from a woman who lives on South 115th Street in connection with this issue because yeah. she cares as well. Yeah. That's a good thing. Everyone
0: in this city right. cares about it. Yeah, yeah.
1: everybody is a stakeholder, and I think the best way to make sure everybody's a stakeholder is that we actually have city council discussions about it. People know who they can reach out to. There's not just one commission that's having a bunch of closed meetings, yeah. and instead we actually have good public conversation.
0: I want to talk about your mayoral race that's coming yeah. up. Really excited about it. I'm sure you are, too. I am. It's, it's um,
1: a lifelong dream, and it's <laughs> been a lifelong honor to represent the people of Kansas City, and I'd like to continue doing so.
0: So I guess I kind of want to talk about what's your biggest issue right now that you want to approach when you become mayor? Like, what is what is on the forefront for you? You
1: know what I would say is it comes under the umbrella of affordable housing, but really, how do we restore our neighborhoods? How do we preserve them? I think a mistake that we've made in the last several years in Kansas City is that we thought housing policy was simply demolition. Demolition is not housing policy alone. Instead, what can we do to make sure that our neighborhoods, many of which are in the Northeast, have the opportunity to have homes that are repaired, have the opportunity to have families moving back in, build a market for not just homeowners, but also a market for businesses to move back in. Along uh, Independence, Prospect, et cetera, you have a lot of businesses uh, that are saying, hey, yeah, we want customers, we want more walk-in business, we want, right, that sort of community vibrance that really exists in some other areas of not just Kansas City, but of our region. Okay. And so I think that's a big step. I think another big step is how do we continue to make Kansas City affordable? Uh, and make kansas city affordable for your working class your middle class people we are getting more stratification and we see that in a lot of neighborhoods i'll give the hyde park example where homes that used to be a very different value are much higher now right and uh, and i know at least when i talk to people they're saying well i want to have the opportunity to live in kansas city missouri uh, but i also want to have a house that (laughs) even if it's old right is well maintained that's in a safe neighborhood that has good police protection and fire protection, et cetera. So I think that that is a very big one and one that I care a lot about. Two other issues I'll say, uh, that are vital to all of this. Clearly education, uh, is important in the future of this city. When I hear about why people leave Kansas city or why people choose not to settle in Kansas city, there's a lot of conversation on that. We have a lot of new charter opportunities. I'm also very interested in what the Kansas city public school district, uh, can do and accomplish to help make this community stronger. And then finally, crime. It is heartbreaking uh, to me what we see often in this community. I went to a funeral maybe four weeks ago now for a, a 17-year-old uh, boy had been a student at Paseo High School, and then he had a bunch of friends who were at the funeral too. And they were talking about the fact that this was not their first funeral that year for one of their friends. It affects victims. It affects families. It affects assailants. It affects all of us in our neighborhoods. It affects our police department. I think if we can't get our arms around that issue, If we can't get our arms around the education issue, if we can't get our arms around the housing issue, then as nice as every new fancy building downtown might be or as nice as a new airport terminal is, we'll still have significant challenges in our city and we won't be the city that we really wish to be.
0: How do you see us improving the crime issue? You know,
1: I think a few things. One, you need to recognize that it is a real issue. I don't think it's good enough for us to, and I would strongly disagree with some who like to punt to gun laws in Jefferson City or who would like to punt to saying that there's some broader issue that we can't control. There are impactful things that we need to do each day. The first of which is how can we actually encourage more, and it's become a buzzword, but I say it this way, more neighborhood policing. More interactions as they exist between law enforcement and our communities so that when police are policing in certain neighborhoods, they are not outside forces, they're not seeming like strangers, they're seeming like friends, they're seeming like people that are already involved and are there. And to me, that's something different than just saying we need more police that are there that are just cruising around, Yeah. right? I don't want that. What I want is more interactions, more engagement, more connection in our community. And I think we've seen some of that with our social worker program, something that I was writing about a year ago. Uh, But I also think that we need to see more of that effort. And then another step uh, that I think on the crime conversation that we need to see is, frankly, how are we dealing with remedying issues with the criminals we deal with? You know, this comes up sometimes in the broader scheme of criminal justice reform. But what I might say is, how do you ensure that, for example, in the Northeast and throughout much of Kansas City, we have a lot of people that are committing repeated misdemeanor offenses many of whom suffer from drug and alcohol addiction, many of whom suffer from mental illness. How can we ensure that the money that we're providing each year to our public safety net providers like Truman Medical Center are actually going to treat these people rather than simply incarcerating them? You know, I don't want us to send another 500 folks this year to municipal into the Jackson County jail really just for the heck of it when the real issue is they need to be treated for something different and they need to not be taking up police time they need to not be taking up time in a jail they don't need to be taking up living on a street every day that's how i think we can really deal with these issues
0: so um going back to public education and charter schools and stuff i know a lot of people have issues with charter schools a lot of people feel like we need to focus on just um kansas city public schools itself and how we can fix that and how we can make that better how do you see yourself remedying that like how do you a how are you going to approach the public with that how are you going to tell them like it's okay if we support more charter schools it's okay if we do this and this yeah. yeah how are At this that? point, it's
1: a reality that we have some high-performing charter schools in this city, and we have some not as high-performing charter schools in this city. But I think they are an inextricable part of our public education conversation. There are a lot of parents, there are a lot of families that are newly attracted to Kansas City, Missouri because of some of the charter options for them. Right. What we should do is, is support, to the extent we can, the successful ones. You know, I gave a speech the other day at uh, Scuola Vita Nuova, which is uh, doing great things uh, with a population that has lots of foreign language speakers, that has lots of families that are new arrivals to our country, and I think that they merit great support. I do not think that our support of them means in any way that we should detract from our efforts, our interest, and our encouragement of the Kansas City Public Schools. The Kansas City Public School District is essential to the public education conversation. You know, I'm in my mid-30s, and when I was younger, it was kind of the height of our court-ordered desegregation, the early 90s and mid-1990s. And I think as we saw some failures in that, as we saw the district stripped of accreditation for the first time back in the early 2000s, a lot of people just gave up on the Kansas City School District. And What that meant was I think we were giving up on Kansas City school children. We can't do that again, Uh, and we need to make sure – that in whatever way we can impact the school districts, and that includes, by the way, and making sure that the city's not redirecting unnecessarily tax revenues that would be coming to the school district, right. making sure that the city is actually doing adequate policing, making sure when we talk about neighborhood policing, there's also a presence, but a friendly presence within our public schools. You know, I think that we need both to have a successful Kansas City. We need both our charter schools to work, be productive, helpful, encouraged, but we also need to make sure we're not just funding the Kansas City Public Schools, but we're actually waving the flag of why they're good. We're helping them them where they need help.
0: More than just with our dollar. That's exactly right. Right. So I also wanted to say that almost all of your predictions for the November um, midterm election were correct. There we Um, go. (laughs) And I thought that was really cool and really fun to talk about, Um, except for McCaskill, obviously she lost, which was, I want to say, not unexpected, but how do you think what do you think is going to happen now?
1: Missouri is an interesting place, and there's a question every election cycle. of Are we trending more like Arkansas? Are we more like Michigan or Wisconsin? And I think this last election kind of showed us where, where we're trending. But in terms of what happens next, I mean, on the federal level, I think looking at the House of Representatives, looking at the opportunity for, frankly, gridlock, but the opportunity to have different perspectives in Washington may be good. You know, as a public servant on the local level, something that disappoints me a lot is this idea that people don't recognize how important some key federal programs are. I'm talking about the Veterans Administration. I'm talking about housing and urban development. I'm talking about, you know, frankly, our public infrastructure investment, which is key. So for those of us in Missouri, though, if you look at the last elections, Republicans kept a fairly strong hold of the state legislature. Uh, What I think that will mean is that we in the cities will continue to have to be creative on finding ways to fund some of the key problems that Kansas City has. But I'll say this. Another way that we need to figure out things in Kansas City is that we can't have a tax increase for everything. The taxpayers in Kansas City, Missouri, have been exceedingly friendly over the last four or five years and time and time again have approved tax increases to do any number of things. I think what we need to do right now in Kansas City government is see first how can we spend money responsibly how can we make sure our workforce is funded well, but perhaps that we're not giving away lots of incentive dollars to others. And, and by that, I mean not just the tax breaks we give, but sometimes we do just straight-up cash payments to people. $17 million for this or that, or $5 million to help build a road in the Northland, I mean, to a developer. Yeah. That's the sort of thing that we can't do as much. That's where I think rubber hits the road. One last point on the November election. One of the most significant votes and I don't get Missouri on this one, was the proposition to help fund our roads and bridges. We have incredible need to fix our roads and bridges in Kansas City.
0: Also, I guess kind of going back, Casey Landlords, Northeast Landlords, are, let's um, talk about 180724, which is coming to the floor right now um, for the Planning Zone Committee um, about uh, abuse survivors um, and like victims of yeah. abuse and stalking. I know uh, Casey landlords are feeling really restricted right now like they feel like they have a lot of pressure on them to act a certain way um, and I guess I have a question about what's your response to that.
1: Yeah, I mean I'm I'm on the record already on this one because we had an element of that ordinance before probably one of the most interesting days uh, that I've had on city council was when I was like wait people don't support this ordinance? <laughs> yeah. I mean here's the deal Yes. I get the struggle of landlords or, as they call themselves, housing providers. But if there is – and I say this as somebody who has unfortunately had to live around domestic violence when I was a youth and that sort of thing. If there is a woman or a man, but if there is somebody who is trying to get out of a dangerous situation, I think there is nothing more important than we can do than to allow them to do that without fear of reprisals, without fear of repercussions. Yeah. You know, in Kansas City, part of the reason for our homicide increase of recent years was that we had a precipitous increase in victims of domestic violence being murdered. Um, and so when I'm doing my public policy trade-offs, I'd like to protect the, the woman, the children, whomever, that's in a domestic violence situation who's being abused and who's at fear of his or her life. And I think there's nothing more important we can do. So, yeah, there are ways uh, that housing providers, landlords can still make money we will find a way to do it but to me life is a hell of a lot more important than money and I think in this situation making sure somebody's safe, making sure a kid's not stuck in an abusive household making somebody's not worried about the fact if their partner's going to bring a gun or not or if they're going to have to end up owing thousands of dollars I think I think this is a no-brainer
0: I think it also kind of leans back to the ban the box measure that we passed because yeah. now if a landlord's like can ask on an application, have you been a victim of abuse and that can allow them yeah. to reject them I think that's relates back to the ban the box measure like that's a reason we pass it like this because we don't want people to be discriminated against just because they've been a victim or Absolutely. they've been to jail or th- whatever um, and I yeah, I think that's a really important issue um, I'm hoping we get it back on the floor soon I look forward to those council meetings every week but, but, <laughs> but the past couple weeks I haven't been able to go because we, we had, haven't talked about anything it'll
1: be back we'll, we'll have some fun for you guys again soon <laughs> don't you worry
0: the uh, liquor card ordinance was a big one I talked to John Sharp Hmm. So many times. that should yeah. be
1: a doozy. <laughs> yeah. that's that's another one that'll be an interesting one, but yeah. we'll, we'll be ready for it. All
0: right, yeah, that is officially all I have for you. All right. So, well, thank yeah, you so it much. for really nice good talking good to, talk to, to
1: today. you. I want to say to uh, the good Northeast News readership and listeners, I appreciate their advocacy. You know, I've been in office now for three and a half years. Probably every week, I get to hear from uh, some good people from the Northeast. Uh, we've agreed on some issues. We've disagreed on others. Uh, But at the same time, they're doing what I think we need to do in all of politics, which is building neighborhoods, having strong engagement in one's community, and doing all they can uh, to make sure that their city's a better place.